Welcome to What's Cooking in Hell's Kitchen, the officially unofficial podcast for Daredevil on Netflix. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episodes 11, 12, and 13, titled 380, The Dark at the End of the Tunnel, and A Cold Day in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, what did you think of this final chunk of Season 2? Uh, I thought they stumbled a bit at the end. Yes, yeah, me too. kind of becoming a theme for these Mar- uh, MCU outings on Netflix, that, and, and, but they keep doing it in different ways. Like okay. I felt like Jessica Jones was too little plot stretched too thin, whereas mm-hmm. this felt like too many big ideas, too many plot lines that could not possibly be adequately resolved by the end. To the extent that I don't even know they really thought out the end game these final three episodes because there's a lot of shit like Electra being the ultimate weapon. I yeah that and, that surprised me and and not in a good way. Um, yeah it. It, it made me question kind of all the decisions that people have been making up until now yes. and why they're doing the things they're doing because it doesn't seem to make a whole ton of sense. Um, and, and it just felt like... So I said last episode, um, you know, in this in this superhero world, I'm kind of open to anything, bring it on, and then I prove myself wrong at the end because yeah. at, by the end of this, I was kind of rolling my eyes at how many, like, doubling back of plot and like just new revelations about things we thought we already knew there were. Mm -hmm. I I just, it felt like a little too much to me at the end. And, you know, like I feel like a lot of it is, I go back to the parable I told about the, you know, good science fiction fantasy explains the universe and is internally consistent. And that's how, you know, it's good or not. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't seem like it's, possible for Electra to be the ultimate weapon and for the first half of the season to go down like it did and when they first revealed it I'm like okay well maybe like this is something like you know when Jesus was baptized it's not like Jesus was always this I'm trying to I'm trying to say this in a way that's not going to offend people (laughs) my understanding of the Christ mythology uh, is that he wasn't didn't always like fully aware of and and have all of his god powers like a, the, mm. there's a he had a, to grow up the, the, there's a lot of like neo get learning kung fu when he got baptized the heavens were right. open to him the holy spirit anointed him and he became Jesus Christ right like I was expecting that there was some further initiation that Electra needed to do because while she sure, clearly was skilled from a very early age and some of that stuff was innate and inborn. Uh, especially the need to kill. I watched her get her ass handed to her many, many times. And then once the hand is like, you're our leader, you, you. I, and I, I liked how the ninjas <laughs> she, she turned were, to the camera. I know Kung Fu. And I, I liked how the ninjas were kind of like deferential to her. But then right, in the right. last sequence, when they're fighting for her, I, they were trying to kill her. And I'm like, well, I guess they can resurrect her. And maybe that's the thing that seals the deal. But well, that is, I mean, they talk about how like even the, having the ultimate weapon in a cage She's somehow still the ultimate weapon. Here, here's the thing: like one person being the ultimate weapon never makes sense to me. It kind of makes sense in the Matrix because it's a computer world, mm-hmm. but in the real world, a single person cannot be an ultimate weapon. It just, when, you can't. I mean, in, not in even the universe Superman. where the the mighty Thor exists. That's a bigger problem, right? Right. Right. How does Electra go up against Thor? <laughs> no, I don't. You know, the hand. I don't know if they then they mess around in the the greater galactic stuff, and maybe they're like from maybe their experience, think. she's unbeatable. And and but yeah, I just feel like that you need to have like you can't just be like ooh black mystical coffin with kanj on it and forty story deep hole and ultimate weapon and be like connect the dots. Like maybe if you. 
because because it's it's interesting because um all this hand resurrection shit jogged an ancient memory of like the x-men because i'm like i don't know anything about the hand but then i remembered oh wait a second and there's this real interesting plot line where they resurrected this communist era supervillain called omega red and whoever the current leader of the hand had like 20 of his ninjas go in there and sacrifice himself so he could suck their souls out and had this, re- you know, established resurrection technology. Mm-hmm. And I actually went and dug at, you know, and, and read a bunch of X-Men over the weekend. Anyway, um, what I'm saying is there could be, if you're a big enough Marvel fan, there could be hooks where some of this stuff makes sense and kind of like David Lynch's Dune is awesome if you've read all the novels and know what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I... I found it very hard to square all of the curves that we took to get the Electra making the defining choice to, I guess, sacrifice herself. Yeah. And then Daredevil tossed Nobu off the roof. So is he cool with killing? Or is he only cool with killing people who can be resurrected? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I don't even know if Daredevil realizes that this guy is going to come back again. Like, he threw him off a thing once before. Sure. And thought that he was done, but yeah. he got back up. And, like, that... Uh, he burned him alive. He thought yeah. he was dead then. Uh-huh. Like, maybe he thinks, you know what, this isn't really killing, because... It would have been nice to have that conversation. Right. Uh, and now, it also makes me wonder, is is in the future he going to think that he killed Nobu if he never sees him again? Because... When the the sure, st- stick. stick goes down there and really does him in. Because when he started resurrecting down there, I'm like, I knew it was coming. Like, yeah, God me too. Damn it! This is the kind of comic book shit that you can't really pull. Like, you got to decide whether you're going to have Daredevil be 30 years running like the comic, so you can't really kill big guy. Or do you want it oh, just to have? You. Do you see this MCU as a set finite period of time where you're going to tell all these overlapping stories and they're done? Because you can't just keep rewinding the clock. It has to be, right? I mean, we've already talked a little bit about how the saturation sure. of the MCU is sure. becoming a bit much uh, for for everyone involved, even hardcore fans. So you can't keep this going forever. Eventually, it's going to peter out. And I'm hoping that Marvel is conscious of that and, 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 and isn't I, just going to go forever with it. I think some of these questions are open questions that we're supposed to be wondering. Like, yeah. you know, well, Matt has killed, or he thinks he has. Right. And he Certainly. also signaled the willingness to let his allies start killing for him. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah. just this he once. He offered to take Frank, I think, to the blacksmith. Right. And, yeah. and he's just this once, Frank. And Frank's like, no, it doesn't work that way. Which, if the show pays attention to its internal logic, means that Matt's got a whole bunch of soul searching to do next season. Absolutely. About yeah. what the fuck he is doing. And how, I mean, I, I also I also like the one of the themes that I thought did pay off through the season is, as a vigilante... Does the risks and and harm to your loved ones outweigh the necessary grounding that you have to have with humanity to keep your fight going? Like, you need both things yeah. to be an effective force for justice and good, yet it seems like it's a profoundly self... It seems like the solution is to let... To, to the people that you're close to, let them in on that and let them make that call. And they yeah. trust them yeah. to, that they know what they're doing in their lives. And just like you choose to sacrifice yours, they maybe they're laying their life down on altar sacrifice by being your friend mm-hmm. and a you know, a helper and companion Keeping and all you that sane. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Um, but then I thought that they beautifully set up that Karen could have this realization that Matt is Daredevil in the two episodes leading up to the finale. 
And then they completely undercut it by having her just him just blatantly tell her and have her act like she was surprised. I thought that was really weird. Hmm. Like when he came to rescue her along, and I speaking of great right, ideas, you notice he like keeps his back to her the entire time, right? Like he's but she the way she was playing this, and this mm-hmm. is again direction acting writing. I don't know what, but she is portraying this as if she's having a realization. In the same yeah, way that the Punisher was doing that in the trial, which I don't, you know, like, mm-hmm. I I don't like it when you're telling me something visually and cinematically and then you walk that back in another episode because right. you changed your mind. It makes Karen look dumb and she's already kind of, your suspension of disbelief that a guy can wear a half mask and be completely... Yeah. Uh, you know, completely invisible to someone who's intimate with him is and already talk. It's already straining the credibility. But then when you do right. that and you have her performance, like, oh wait a second, oh the, Matt comes to work with bruises and he does this and ah, uh, I'm putting, I'm I'm a fucking master ace investigator. I'm putting these things together. Right. I did. I didn't didn't like that. Why and and why do you think they did it that way? Uh, I don't know. It it might just be, you know, the acting not lining up with the plot here and. And who knows how many episodes they've got written out before they they started filming these scenes? But that's episode twelve and thirteen, and that I guess I would say that's the other thing I'm I'm worried about Daredevil going forward is you had this Goddard guy who did the first two episodes and they were a fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Then you had a guy take over and they were pretty good, and then you had two guys that were, you know, I think executive producers and and writers on the show take over this season, and a little things a little loosey goosey and sloppy Joe. Yeah, they need to tighten that shit up. They definitely do. They have some work. They need to uh, rethink the way that they're doing a couple of things. Overall, I think the season was pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I it wasn't season one caliber. Certainly, it didn't have those moments. It was for in the me. neighborhood, though. It, it wasn't. It, it was. Yeah, it was threatening. It wasn't too. a fiasco. No, no, no. God, no. Um, I, I think you know the wheels came off a bit at the end, but uh, I enjoyed most of the run. So. Uh, not a huge problem for me. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about the, the Karen stuff. There's, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about just kind of, you know, one-off sort of things in these three Go episodes. For it. Um, there, there's pretty early on in episode 211, uh, there's a scene with Claire and, um, and Matt on the rooftop, like I, kind of after the ninjas attack mm-hmm. and, and she gets, so first of all, the ninjas attack, they, for some reason, throw Claire out a window mm-hmm. instead of running her through like they have everyone else. Sure. Like, sword in one hand, nah, not going to use that. Just knock you out a window, allowing Daredevil to save you. Right. Uh, I, I really hate that shit. Like, that, w- w- there's a couple of moments there where, like, well, this I- happens because at the very end, yes. with the fight with Nobu, um, he somehow Matt gets an opportunity to just sit with Electra for a good four or five minutes. That went on way while she's dying in yeah. four or five, six ninjas standing there waiting to go. Nobu's yep. standing there waiting to go. Uh-huh. And as soon as she dies, they're like, kill him, kill him while he's having his moment. Don't give him that chance. I mean, I guess what this the fuck is... you still want to kill these people, right? Well, I mean, and then, so I could almost argue that is they're paying respect for both Electra and daredevil. Because that's kind of like, but they're just going to res Electra. It's not like I know. It's not like she's actually. I, dead. I think it's also problematic because just before that, you had the interminable scene of them in the staircase talking about their bright new tomorrow. That like, fifty ninjas are breaking down the door. They're not. 
Like, you can't I, sit in this but, vestibule and ponder fate for ten minutes, man. I don't know. I kind of like that scene. I I did, too, but it's like they didn't... This is kind of Walking Dead territory, where they need a scene to happen, and it happens in this vacuum that doesn't make sense in the situation that they're in. And it's like, yeah, look, we either got to cut this If they got to dial- the rooftop... Yeah. Look, I've seen this motherfucker swing from a rooftop less than five minutes ago in the series... Uh, he's got this new stick that he can use, which is cool. You're not trapped. You get to the roof, you're not trapped. You can yes. get out. Yeah, like they're they're playing it like the ninjas are swarming in in unsurmountable numbers from every direction. And again, are and you there's nowhere are to you go? The within... ultimate weapon or not? Right. And now you got right. your you got your bulletproof suit that doesn't cover your arms. Uh-huh. Like, did you? Did, did did you? Well, she's got to look like Melina from Mortal Kombat, or what the <laughs> fuck are we doing? I'm like, uh, did, did the gladiator guy or whatever the fuck his name, did he just not have enough material? Ran out, yeah. Yeah, like, I, you know, you got the sleeveless thing. I made things. this for someone much shorter than you. Sure, my, my Betsy is, is not as not as impressive stat, stature-wise, so you're going to have to, I can, I can either expose your thigh, your midriff, or your biceps. And she's like, fuck it, biceps. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but they have a couple of those moments where I'm just like, kill, kill, why are you waiting? Well, I thought the Electra versus Stick battle suffered from a lot, of, where I caught Electra having the clear kill stroke mm-hmm. several times, and she hits him in the face with her pommels of her size. I'm like, the fuck? Yeah. Are you trying to kill this old man? And I guess you could say, well, she's conflicted, but she didn't seem conflicted in the moment until Matt came in there and confused things. Right. Like, she was right. there to kill the she- old man. Yeah, and that's another problem I have with that that kind of that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not that one. The one where she finds out she's the ultimate weapon, right? Yeah, like it flops back and forth so much. It's well, and I kept on comparing. Much. You've never seen the original Hellboy, right? No. See, I thought they did a great job of building Hellboy into this character who knows he's got this deep dark secret. He knows I'm I'm actually a demon from hell. I'm supposed to be this one thing, but I've been raised by this very kind Catholic man to be this other. And there's like little touches where the fact that he he intentionally sands down his, his horns every morning, like part of brushing his teeth because he doesn't want these big demon horns. He wants to be as right. human as he can. And then there's the, in the climax of the film, you find out that he's actually this big prophet prophetic thing that's supposed to be the herald of the end of the world. And, like, rule the world as this demon king. And they do this thing where, like, he kind of seems like he accepts it, but then he betrays him at the end, and it's, like, really done well. Where Elektra is like, I've always known I was bad. This makes sense. I guess I'm running the hand now. And there was none of that. And Matt just gives her the the talk, and she goes, okay, I'm I'm not the hand. I know. I, it just all seems a little like, too what, easy. Also, like I think the go-to is like this is the perfect solution, Matt. I can run the hand, and I can turn us into a force for good. If they're right. unswervingly loyal to my right. every win, well, I can I can turn this army into a force for good. Now, an I army think, is only doing what the guys at the top say. Sure, and I think so, there's a point where it's like, like well, that uh, power could corrupt, and like that could oh, be sure, yeah. arcs for another day. But for her, just to be, it just felt very black and white, and and not nuanced, and 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 and, and again rushed. Like they needed another episode or two to really grapple that problem that they didn't have time because they had filled yeah. the season with so much stuff. Uh, but a couple of things I do like that ninja attack at the beginning of the hospital where we just kind of pick back up was cool. Um, aside from, you know, Claire getting tossed out a window instead of run through. Did you, uh, did you, I like how they used the shuriken to cut the glass. Sure. Um, to come on in. That was pretty cool. Uh, you know, say, staying with their silent motif. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then there was another scene. I don't know if you want to move on or did you have something to? I say? just want to say, did you get a little ninja fatigue by the end? Uh, no, no. I think because by the there time there weren't too many ninjas for me. By the time he learned to triangulate them by their breathing, oh, they just okay. became another right way it, to have faceless hordes. There's nothing interesting or cool about them. Also, a force that <laughs> that if you have fifty guys around you. And they can punch you endlessly until they take a breath. You're mm. gonna die. Mm. Like if they if they realize that that's how you're tracking them, yeah. I, I guess they might not have realized it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, how is this guy suddenly tracking us? But yeah, yeah I'm. I just. It seems like the abuse he took at the hands of those like three or whatever that were left. Right. With an army of fifty, he's gonna get his ass just busted in. It's kind of Independence Day. Once you got the code to depower everything, then it's just you know. That it, it, it's 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 it, it, that's that's comic booky and sci It's like you know, it is, yeah. Uh, it's not that uh, you you get a subtle advantage and press it into a victory. It's just a total like you blew up the droid control ship. Now all the droids shut down. Yeah, you infected your Mac Pro with the alien virus, and now all their shields go down. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's all. That was the only reason that the F-18s weren't getting their ass kicked in Independence Day because the aliens had shields. It wasn't overwhelming numbers or superior weaponry and maneuverability. And it was just, you know, they fucking couldn't handle the shields. Energy shields. That's, I mean, I I, I don't know. Like, some some of this is genre, and I have a hard time. Because I thought that the Daredevil was a great deconstruction of this. And a grittier thing, and they felt like they really leaned into some of the superhero tropes towards the end. Yeah, and it felt weird because the series, in my opinion, it always kind of leaned into reality. Yes. A little bit more than a comic book series does. Like, especially, you know, with him not having a suit right away and getting his ass kicked. And I still prefer prefer the black spandex to this. You do? Okay. And I I feel like I know the, the mask is, I think, the big problem because it cuts in. He's got kind of a doughboy face. (laughs) <laughs> okay, a little bit, yeah. And it cut. It's like uh, you know, it's like uh, if, if you if you're wearing tight pants and your gut kind of spills over, mm-hmm, like it, yeah. his his face does that. Like it spills out from under. He's the got mask. muffin top cheeks, is what he's got, <laughs> and it sits on him weird. Like they, it needs huh. to be a looser fit, or I don't know. But that helmet has never ever been cool to me. Okay, sure. I I, I get what you're saying. Uh, it's not a problem for me though. The the other scene that I really love in this first episode is Frank in the diner with Karen. Sure. Holy shit, what a scene. Yeah. Uh I it's it's so naive of Karen. Like she continually tries to talk like not not just this episode but the next episode too. She continually tries to talk Frank out of killing people, right? You don't have to kill, you don't need to do this. And I feel like, like that I, like, I don't I, care about I, your mission, yeah, yeah, but sure. like she doesn't learn. She doesn't fucking learn. Every time Frank tells her, I'm not who you think I am. This is my mission. I'm doing this. And here's evidence. And he beats a man's face to a goddamn Oh, pole. man. That was fucking crazy. Oh, I mean, his, his skull sticking out of his cheeks. It's yeah. real disgusting. Yeah. Uh, and she just doesn't get it. Uh-huh. And I, I don't think that's a problem. Like, I think that's who Karen is. I kind of also think they're setting this up for this is going to be baked in conflict with her and Matt next season. Because right. she saw she the 
the the she she got into not intimately but but they had a definite connection that was beyond just professional absolutely yeah and she got this thing where the vigilantes they just won't stop and they don't listen to reason and they're just going to let you down and yep. as good as you think they are they're never going to be able to be as good as you need them to be and i feel like that is going to be you know like frank's the abusive boyfriend that sets her against men for a while yeah. Uh, she, you know, it, it does feel like she's she's kind of been hurt by Frank in a weird way, right? Like well, she continually I mean, tries to convince him not to be this bad guy, and she jumps to the conclusion, you know, that Frank didn't do this killing, sure, or 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 she's unwilling to jump to the conclusion that Frank killed the DA and all these people, and then she's like super willing to jump to the conclusion that the blacksmith is trying to get her. Mm-hmm. Like she she has this logical inconsistency because I think she has a soft spot for Frank. Mm-hmm. She sees his family. She sees. She understands him a little bit. And she hears the colonel talking about how he's actually got a sense of humor that we don't. You know, right. we've heard talked about twice now, but we never really see. No, God no. Uh, but also the what she tells him, like the fact that he's got a keen. Like I feel like it recontextualized the relationship that he was actually he was using the dentist system on her. He was trying to nurture this emotional dependence upon him and play upon all of her weaknesses so yeah. he could use her as bait and as a pawn for his, his strategy. And yep. she that's why she was so crushed at the end is because she realized all this came to pass. Right. And, you know, the thing I, – and I don't – so I don't understand the thing with the colonel. Like – what. They're, so they're teasing us. They're not actually giving it all away, right? This Kandahar stuff, like sure. There's definite, and, and this makes me like. I thought they were playing it pretty coy about like, well, who knows if we'll spin off the Punisher? Because man, they 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 had to have planned to spin him off because they have big mysteries and big teases. Like, yeah. you don't know because you're not a Punisher fan, but him finding that disc labeled Micro. I was like, what the fuck is that? It's yeah. it's a huge fanboy wink because, okay. you know, I don't want to give any spoilers for people to choose not to. But, like, you know, if you're a Punisher fan, you already know what I want to say and you know why it's cool. And if you're not, then, well, you'll find out. But it's it's the original code for DOS. I don't know. He's going to start. He's going to found Microsoft. <laughs> he is. He is. That's how he's going to fund his uh, eternal war on crime. All right. With, I mean, uh, Bruce Wayne has Wayne Enterprises. Sure. The Punisher has Microsoft. And that's the thing. He bought it back in the like, 85. Oh, so nice. those he only had like 15 shares, but they're worth a one point three billion dollars now. Uh, speaking of the timeline, I do have a question. Uh, Josie's bar where where Foggy and and Karen hang out at the end of this looks sure. a lot like Luke Cage's bar in the setup. But and it's I, not. It's not. Like, I'm questioning, what is the timeline here? Is it possible that that becomes Luke Cage's bar? I don't bar? think so, because the adventures of Luke Cage and his bar got burnt down to the ground uh-huh. happened before this season, because Claire talks about it when in, oh, in, in Foggy, okay. so no, it can't be. All right. It can't be. I wonder if they just use the same set, maybe. Did you see the teaser for Luke Cage at the end? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Was it like an after credits thing? I don't, it might have been like if you just let it continue to play or it might have been after credits. I'm not sure. I don't, I just know I saw it. I might actually Maybe? S- searched it out but when someone, because someone sent some feedback. But it's, I continue to be excited for the Luke Cage deal. I don't know anything about, he's a strong, invulnerable I just, guy. I like, love that. That's, that's my favorite type of superhero though. Okay. Like I, I got two types. I like the the invulnerable, but they still take damage. Like that's kind of Daredevil season one and uh-huh. and, and uh, Wolverine. Yeah, and then I also like the completely invulnerable, like Colossus and and Superman types. Hmm. Although right. he's not as obviously as invulnerable as Superman. 
Of uh, course. There there are a lot of stages of invulnerability in the sure, universe. Sure. Uh of which each But just each the idea of the guy's is super strong and he's well nigh invulnerable. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. Okay. That's cool. Um because it's you didn't the challenges, you know, what given problems that he can't solve with his muscles. Right. 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 Whereas Superman is harder because Superman's got fucking freeze breath and I laser mean, beams. Once and he can you fly say Superman and... can turn back time, there's really yeah. nothing he can't do. Yeah. Uh <laughs> whatever. I mean, he, he's he's gone uh yeah, sure. He's gone full on share mode. Yep. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the Punisher. I felt like he ended with a whimper too because he finds his iconic body armor that already kind of looks like a skull, and it's like, oh, that looks like futuristic armor. He's going to paint he it. It's going to be it, yeah. fucking awesome. And he finds this big weapons cache with the minigun. Yeah. And you know, Matt's going to have to fight a fucking rooftop full of ninjas at some point, and he shows up. Kinda, it's like uh, Matt's too tired to fight these guys, so I'll take him out, and then Matt will get and they'll give each other. It's like I just murdered those four guys for you, Matty, mm-hmm. and then he nods and like takes like it felt really anticlimactic. I was wanting to see a little bit. I yeah, I kind of felt like his story of season two ended after he painted the Punisher stuff. Like mm. th- th- he didn't like honestly, I don't in even know case, why I, they put him I, that's in that what last I'm, scene. I, I would. I wish they didn't. I wish just, they didn't. Yeah, just have Matt take care of it. I, I don't know. He so didn't he turn clearly, the tide. Like if he was, no, it doesn't seem like it would have been awesome if he, the, him and Elector went up there and they're getting their ass kicked, and he just came in and just mowed down like thirty of them and yeah. turned it. That would have yeah. been worth it. It's. I don't know. I, I I don't get these guys' instincts because. Maybe your instinct is, hey, he's been so cool, we need to wedge him in. But it's like, if you get to the end, then you're like, all we can do is a 30-second scene where he and, you know, Matt share the the, the stereotypical masculine nod, alpha uh-huh. nod. Like, that's yeah. got a good enough reason to bring him back. Right. I say just leave him with the weapons cache and the painted suit sure. and then bring him back next season. Or or spin him off or into spin a mini-suit. Yeah. Like, whatever right. you want to do, but don't 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 trivialize him like that. Yeah, so you think he's going to go out of the Daredevil series with that nod? I think that's his. I don't his know. Nod to the I, I feel like him of... and him and Daredevil are kind of uh, simpatico. They operate in the same space. They have broadly the same mandate. They have a lot of the same supervillains. Right, I... but so are yes, he and Elektra. Like, sure. No, I we're so going like, to see Elektra again. Yeah, yeah, we're going to see a lot more of Elektra, I imagine. But see, I'm not. I I stopped reading comics. Um, you know, the classic Frank Miller, Electra dies a bullseye's hands. Uh, that's kind of, I didn't know, I'm not even sure if she is active and alive in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Okay. So, like, uh, I have no idea what they're going there. And I'm, I'm, I, I, I guess that she's probably going to intersect. I, I don't know that I want her back next season. I don't know that I want to punish her back next season. I think they need to cover new ground. And I'd like yeah. to get him back to the, the, the Wilson Fisk kingpin angle honestly i don't know how electra can't come back like i could see frank not coming back next season uh-huh. but electra's got to come back i mean she this black sky hand stuff is is intricately mixed with daredevil sure like there's no way she doesn't come back in this series yeah uh and and you know i Maybe Frank comes back. I, I'm not sure, but there's a lot of stuff in here where he's like, just this once, he's going to help Frank go kill the blacksmith, and like that felt like a real good arc this season. Mm-hmm. Like I believe that Daredevil would would lean toward like with Frank pushing him in that direction, uh, would lean toward killing someone. 
Okay. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if he thinks he has with Nobu, but if he does think that, he's kind of foolish. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the whole young Electra backstory? Uh, I liked it until they revealed that she's Black Sky. I felt like yes, like it, I was interested in just finding out more about her and her relationship with Stick and how, like, I, that's like I. I the whole time Stick is being fatherly towards Daredevil at the end, I'm like, do you really feel this way? Or are you just still manipulating a child that wants a father? Yeah. Um, because, you know, he's clearly used the same script on both of them. But you're right. Like, it wasn't a great enough origin story to make the Black Sky stuff make sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, I'm... I. They don't like they could have played her like Neo, I guess, where she's just got this this power that she doesn't really understand and manifests itself in weird ways, and then she has. I, I again, I I don't know how much more to talk, talk about this Black Sky except for well, it just, let's talk about Stick's role in the work. whole thing because sure. like Stick wants to apparently defeat Black Sky, right? He's he's training her to to fight it. Yeah, I guess, like, and like, I think he's may- training her to fight it in the. The sense that she's not going to become it. If you got the ultimate weapon, then uh-huh. turn it to the light side, and there you go. The hand's gone. They're they're going to be eliminated. Right, but the hand also, like, they're after the black sky. Why don't you just deprive them of the thing that they're going to use to take over? Sure. By killing Elektra. And also... Which he decides eventually he wants to do, which... Mm-hmm. It, a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. Like, if... I don't know. I guess it makes sense given it depends on what kind of relationship you think stick and Electra have like from an early age seems like a father daughter relationship right and i don't really know why like it didn't give me any indication of why he feels this way toward Electra, other than she's just yeah like how did you find her Right, we don't know anything about that. We pick Why up, and he's, she's already trained. She's already kicking ass. Like if Stick finds the baby that he thinks is, you know, the the the, the black sky. I feel like the ma- Stick is ruthless enough. He just killed the baby. Also, what the fuck? He brings the ultimate weapon. So he's hidden the ultimate weapon away with these rich people, right? Well, this makes no sense. Brings either. it out of hiding to seduce Matt into yes. helping him do what? Well, still like he's already accomplished his mission as far as he knows. You put a twelve-year-old ultimate weapon in the hands of some two mook type characters or just right. rich diplomats that don't know everything about her, and that I maybe it's to hide her, right? Like to to get her out of but this underworld. You, I, I, I don't understand how they hide her from the hand, right? Like the hand seems like they could follow the leads and 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 figure all this stuff out with the resources that they have, and also it doesn't make sense that they just again. The first eight episodes don't make sense in the light of the hand knowing that she was. When did they find out she was Black Sky? Well, none of Electra's backstory makes sense. Like, I don't know why you bring her out of hiding to go get Matt. That's a very, you know. If she's the ultimate weapon and and you're hellbent on keeping her out of the hand's hands. Uh Uh-huh. You you don't take her out of hiding to go get some well, but some guy who there is something this there is something to there is something to the idea of okay she's the ultimate weapon she's now an adult uh huh and she can protect herself I I need to start using her and maybe if I can hook her up with this boy who's good like his goody two shoes and her ultimate evil will kind of find an equilibrium and you know they'll be the ultimate the ideal soldiers like it's almost like 
he's not seducing Matt so much as he's trying to balance out Electra. I felt like they they needed to have a conversation. Yes, where Stick all of this stuff could have motivation. All of this stuff could have fucking been explained in fifteen twenty more minutes of screen time. But they chose not to do it. Like yeah. so, like either- I was very confused on Stick's motivations throughout the entirety of the last two or three episodes. Yeah, uh, I will say that my God, uh, bamboo underneath the fingernails. Ouch! They, this this shit gets yeah. a little too torture porny for me <laughs> on occasion. Right when he's wriggling his fingers around with the bamboo shoot sticking out. Ugh. Yeah, and there's a couple other just like. Totally gratuitous uh, scenes of violence that uh, I don't I don't know man it's a weird weird tone that 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 this Marvel universe has got this like banshee tone to it <laughs> like it's something it's trying to out banshee banshee honestly um, yeah. so what else do we want to talk about uh, did you I felt like did you feel that the reveal of the blacksmith was satisfying that he's the colonel. And it's just all about about moving heroin after. Uh, well, I felt like it was almost inevitable. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like it didn't feel like that big of a surprise once sure. it started happening. A lot of people um, said it's just because Clancy Brown is such a good bad guy, right, but I never right. like. I don't know. I guess I don't like to typecast guys like that. And I thought, sure. does it make sense that he would try to get Frank Castle off? That he would try and kill him. Well, wouldn't, oh, oh, you wouldn't mean in the his, court? Wouldn't his best outcome for Frank to be he him sent away for life yeah. in prison? Yeah, like that he doesn't have to kill him. He's put away for good. Maybe he dies in the pre. He doesn't have to get his hands dirty. I don't understand why he would participate willingly in being the best, de- you know, witness the defense had. Maybe because he knew it wouldn't help. <laughs> it wouldn't matter. I, again, it I mean, would be Frank nice. Dead it'd be nice if they articulated some of that. Yeah. And also, like, I, I don't understand Fra- – I don't feel like Frank understands exactly all the forces arrayed against me, and I felt weird that he would just shoot the colonel rather than try to extract information from him. Uh, Yeah. Like, I feel like Frank knows something yeah, that we, the you. audience, don't know yet, and that's always annoying to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Frank has been portrayed as just this cold-blooded killer, so it didn't really bother me that much. Like, I feel like Frank gets enough of you, and he just kills you. But, um, I don't know. There's, like, he finds some hidden compartment in the woods in some rando cabin that that's, happens to be nearby. That's I'd, clearly the colonel's shack, I know, though. yeah, but... His blacksmith like, shack. Like, was he taking Claire, or Karen to the shack to kill her? Like I think so. That's what I was understood. Right, and then, but... Frank just crashes the car and then drags them to the cabin. Does he know about Does this he cabin? Know? Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like he Frank... just almost stumbles upon this cabin. Did he? Do you think that they sh- skipped showing us him extracting information from some of the boat guys? Maybe. Maybe, like that blonde-haired... Uh, yeah, the Scarface guy. Jared Leto mm-hmm, guy. Sure. Yep. I don't know. Uh, I don't... Uh, did, hmm. Uh... Do you want to talk more about the Punisher? Because I I got I got like just uh, something I wrote down that I want to talk about how cool it was, and that's Daredevil sliding down the manhole cover. Oh, you thought that was cool? I fucking thought it was. Really I thought it rad. was bullshit. You Why? could tell he's on a wire. Like oh, Jackie really? Chan would do this shit for real. I didn't see the he wi- does. It. I didn't. I didn't see the wire. I thought he was just frictioning down nah, the shaft, man. Nah. Which sounds like a you know friction down the shaft, homoerotic porn. <laughs> 
frictioning down the shaft in the manhole cover. Uh, that should have been the title of the episode. <laughs> frictioning down the shaft. Yep. Um, speaking of homoerotic, I continue to be amazed at how breakupy and relationshipy the Matt and Foggy relationship is. Like when he turns out, okay. like, did you want me to talk talk you out of breaking up? Like I, I, I feel like next season Matt's going to show up outside Foggy's apartment in the rain with a boombox uh, held over his head, playing like, the new theme song he wrote for Foggy and Nelson, <laughs> yeah, or for Nelson and Murdoch. No, I, I mean, I kind of expected that with Karen and Matt, but like the the relationship dynamic of Foggy and Matt felt more like lovers than best buds. Yeah, which is fine. It's just weird. Right, I mean, they have a long, they have a storied history together. Like, you and uh, I break up? It's not going to look like that. No, no, I won't have a boombox. Uh, I I don't, yeah, I don't know, it, it felt kind of right to me. I, Foggy, okay. Foggy is a sensitive guy, right? And I'm glad that they didn't have it turn around at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted it to happen, and maybe that's what they're doing, they're speaking as the audience, like... You want you don't want Nelson and Murdoch to break up. Yeah, you want them to be together fighting law, should, uh, fighting criminals with law. They but, should at least try to fight to, to stay together, right? But I'm glad they didn't because hmm. that would have been a complete reversal on Matt's part, and he's dedicated to what he's doing. And I, I don't. I would have felt too easy for them to just write them write themselves out of it that way. Yeah, I, I. I'm glad they stuck to their guns on that. I felt like though there was emotional wiggle room there because I think Matt was figuring out that like from what Claire was telling him and what he saw observed with like Stick and Electra's relationship that you do need people to care about and to care about you, right? To do this thing properly. So, and maybe just him putting it out there to like, hey, did you want me to talk you out of it? Like maybe that was Matt's way to feel. Fo- but Foggy was already like, nah, like. I was hoping to, but once it was over, it felt right. Yeah. I guess that... Now, I mean, inevitably, they're going to get back together, though. I suppose so, although I don't know how soon that's going to happen. And as I said, it it actually might work better for them to have Foggy be independent, where he can still help Matt out with justice matters and legal matters and investigation matters, and Karen be with him to help him out with investigations and stuff like that. And then Matt just be the guy who walks around at night and beats the shit out of people that need to get beat the shit out of. Yeah. So I, I maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll see. I think it's interesting him working for uh, Trinity from the yeah, Matrix. Carrie Ann Moss. It was cool to see her show up. And and, and her got implying... an offer as a partner. Like, I... well, but that's fast track. Like Holy with this shit. Civil War thing coming out. I'm curious to see because I know this will fold back into the MCU, and it seems like they're looking ahead. Like, hey. Foggy's going to be this like high-powered superhero attorney that defends them from like civil cases and criminal cases and whatnot. Superheroes don't need attorneys. Oh, this is this has been like I don't know if it, it, this was a thing before the Incredibles, but ever since the Incredibles, that's like a topic you got to do. Superheroes are vigilantes. Hmm. They know they're breaking the law. Well, but no, no comic ever deals with the fact that like Superman levels a skyscraper to stop Zod. Who pays for that? Is that just an act of God? Does anyone have yeah. the temerity to try yeah. to sue Superman? No. And even if they do, Superman goes, ha, yeah, well, sure, very funny, guys. But sue me. does Superman do that? Who, or does, who's, Superman's the kind of guy to show up at small claims court. Like, he, this, uh, your honor, this man crushed my hot dog stand. It's my only... Who's going to deliver the summons to Superman? That's what I want to know. <laughs> mail it to the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> right. You know? It's, right. Like, it's like kids writing letters to Santa Claus. It somehow uh-huh. works. No, Superman um, never gets, never goes to court. So, so one thing, 
because I feel like I've been bitching about the show a lot, but one thing I thought was like jaw drop awesome that I've never seen explored in comic book lore was the idea that if you want to get at a hero, you don't know, like you don't know that he loves Karen and he loves Foggy, but you do know the people he saved. And what a mind fuck it would be to go through police reports, round up everyone he's ever documented, saved, yeah. put him in one place, and just I'm on a pay like all this good that you think you did. I'm gonna fucking undo it right now because I'm an evil son of a bitch. Right. And I thought that was such a great fucking idea, but they almost—I don't think they realized the gold they had in their hand because it kind of just got skipped. It, it kind of got skipped over and resolved in a single plot. It did. It was pretty quick. Yeah. And and at no point did I think like I don't think the hero realized what the horns of a dilemma he was in on because it was just like oh Karen it's just about Karen like really right and and I think the show thought it was just about Karen too like, that was they, a mistake because yeah. I thought that's I I've never in all my years of reading comics I've never seen anybody like that and that would be just such a mind fuck that yeah. like it's not just about the particular important people it's like your mission is ostensibly to save these people, and you've done it, and you feel pride in that. But if someone could take that, like, years of your work away in an instant, that is heavy shit. Yeah, totally. Uh, the weird thing about it, though, is they don't know which of these people. Like, so when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, the writers clearly know he wants Karen. We know as an audience he wants Karen. She's a special one, she, sure. She doesn't know, like, the redhead who's who's running this whole operation doesn't know which one he wants and just decides to kill some people. Sure. So what if you killed the one that he really wanted? Like, does he have incentive anymore to come after you? Or? Yeah, no, I, th- I, thought the play, I thought the play would be that you're going to execute them all. Like, maybe some of right. these are important to the... Maybe these are just people that are missions or, like, feel... But we're going to take them all away. And I felt yeah. like the hand didn't really have a great idea for what they're going to do after they got the things that they wanted to get. They just wanted to lure Matt in, I yeah. guess. Um, and then kick his ass. Yeah. Didn't work out like that. Um... I do I think. What did you think of Melvin's uh, new Billy Club with the wire and all that stuff? I thought it's that cool. and allows some bigger, cooler ways to traverse the city. Like when he did that swing yeah. down from the corner of the building, almost Spider Man esque. Yeah, that felt pretty cool. I could it see did. that a couple times a year. And it also gave him um, something to combat Nobu's sure. uh, weapon with because it's essentially Nobu's weapon, but not sharp. Right? Yeah, it's Nobu's weapon, but it won't kill you. It's the daredevil. It's the blunt force edition yeah. of his weapon. Yeah. So I, I thought it was cool. Okay. Uh, I, I know you you didn't really like how Matt tells Karen at the end that he's Daredevil, but I I liked it. I thought you know rather than leave it a cliffhanger, tell her and then cut away and say this is what she now has to deal with. No, I'm glad that they dealt with that. I just wish that she had been the one like him screwing up the courage to tell her, and she'd be like, "Matt, I I figured it out last night when you came to save me." Oh, okay. Again. Have her reverse it on him. And yeah, say, look, I already know because you. that makes her seem like a smarter cookie, and also like I felt Matt was far too in control. Like it felt like he was in the driver's seat in all this relationships. The fact that she would know more about him and be able to kind of one up him, I thought would be interesting too. And I don't know why. I, st- I would if my number one question if I could talk to these guys and ask them is like why didn't you let Karen the ace investigator that you've been emphasizing as preternatural investigation skills and intuition and gut this whole season why did you decide to have Matt break it to her rather than her figure it out yeah is there anything where maybe she like 
her relationship with Frank has clouded her to to seeing who Matt is because she felt like she had Frank pegged, and I, then every turn she continually gets disappointed by him. That's a fine and theory. Is wrong. I just wish that there was more text to support it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I, again, like I can't shake the clear impression I had from her performance in episode 12 that she had come to the dawning realization that Daredevil was Matt. And then yeah. I just felt like, and I, I felt like that was an intentional performance. And that's either, I, I, I can't blame the actor because she was doing a specific thing and it was effective. It's a director. Like, you got the script, you know where they're going at. Yeah. Which makes me think that that was a last minute thing. And I don't, I, I don't know what in the world. I would love to know the reasons why they reversed that because it seems like it does so much damage to her character. And I felt like that it seems like when I was reading through the, the post season Reddit coverage that people kind of hate foggy and Karen, like the average daredevil fan does not like them and thinks that they are, you know, again, the thing that's always interesting is like, you never know what the average daredevil fan, like, you know, uh, what the average Walking Dead fan thinks about the acting and performances and direction of the Walking Dead doesn't interest me because it seems clear that the average Walking Dead fan, that's the only really premium drama that they have actually take in. So like, right. oh, let's put let's let's, uh, you know, Andrew Lincoln should get a Emmy. Am I right? Like, no, <laughs> no, no. You clearly haven't seen the Emmy worthy performances. This so year. I don't know what the Netflix crowd, whether the Daredevil, those are like hardcore comics fans. And like, they're just like, this is this is what we've been wanting to see. So like I and I, I know all the comics lore to overlook all the flaws, but they do. Fe- I, I felt like that they got unwarranted hate. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I it, it's been borderline for me. Uh, I every once in a while, I think it gets a little too. I don't know. A little too bubble gummy with them because mm-hmm. uh, they're both kind of those characters, though, like, yeah. you know, Daredevil is kind of the antithesis of them in a lot of ways. Sure. <laughs> He's more gritty and more down to earth and like uh got it got his head kind of in this game and they don't and it just i don't know Mm -hmm. it never crossed that line for me though i don't hate them uh i don't hate him too and i guess i felt like from their perspectives they i mean because they went out of the way to make matt seem like an asshole like you're telling me during the many days where he was just a wall he couldn't pick up his fucking phone like i get it when you're fighting ninjas at on a rooftop at night Foggy calls, you let that go to voicemail. But yeah. it's just in the daytime. Why not pick up the phone and find out like what your friends that you care about like put them put their mind to tell them something if nothing else because you don't want them coming to your apartment and crashing your crazy vigilante party. <laughs> right. uh, the other thing I want to talk about before maybe I guess we get the feedback or if you had other things, mm-hmm. but I thought the ending was a real clunker. Karen's rah rah New York rah rah Hell's Kitchen we're all heroes was really saccharine bullshit on a very dark dep- you know kind of depressing season and and that just like if this is her showpiece as a newspaper reporter hard pass she needs a ghostwriter she can do all the right. research and all that stuff but sh- this is not there was an article from Ben last season yeah which was better I thought. Which he deleted which, at the yeah, end. Which he she should have done write. that. She, there should have been a scene yeah. of her just, ah, this is bullshit, deleting <laughs> it. But you know what I'm saying? That's always the tricky thing is like when you are trying to – you're a writer, presumably a good one, and you're trying to showcase good writing. Right. You're shining a spotlight on the writing there, which is a tough thing to pull off perfectly. Yeah. Uh, 
I didn't have a huge problem with it. I thought it was kind of inspiring. Um, and it's it is a lot of know. New Yorker up your own ass kind of thing. Like New York is the the toughest place, and it's the hardest place to survive, and it's the coolest place, and it's the most- and we're also like the most connected to each other. And like yeah. the, they New York does have that kind of vibe going for it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying and, and that the arrogance is unwarranted entirely. Like New York is right. the fucking shit. Like if you like a big metropolis city, oh, there's fuck it, yeah. London, Tokyo. Yeah, like pair. I mean, talking about big international yeah. cosmopolitan cities, right? And and kind of where everything is on top of itself, like, sure. Just kind of stuffed into this small space, and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe New York, in a lot of ways, needs that. Otherwise, holy fuck, what does that city become? Like, if they don't have a sense of community there, yeah, uh, <laughs> that could become a nightmare real quick. Uh, maybe it's all just Hell's Kitchen, as portrayed in Daredevil. <laughs> The five boroughs are just Hell's Kitchen 1, Hell's Kitchen 2, Hell's Kitchen 3. <laughs> yeah. Slightly nicer Hell's Kitchen, which is Manhattan. <laughs> and shit, and shitty Hell's Kitchen. Right. Which I don't know which of the... I'll let you leave. I, I don't know don't New York know enough which, to know which one is the yeah, shitty one now. Me either. Uh, they've all kind of been shitty at one point does or the another. Do, Brooklyn would be the douchey's hell, douchey Hell's Kitchen. All right. right. Yeah. Uh. So, Yeah. I grew up in a city that had like not even 5,000 people in it. I have no idea yeah. how to relate. Uh, do you have anything the, else you want to talk about? I did want to talk a little bit because we we talked about you know this article about Karen's brother. Oh um, yeah, I still and, don't. Well, so it connects to to her desire to to get answers for Frank, right? Like she doesn't have these answers, and she sympathizes with Frank not having answers about his family. Like why was his family killed? Like why did her brother die? Well, there's no real reason. There probably is a reason. That's mm-hmm. probably some nefarious shit because it's in a comic book story, and you know you can't just have someone die randomly. But again, shouldn't shouldn't we as the audience be let in a little bit to the significance of that? Like I get it. Like you can have Deborah Ann Wool. There were yeah, there were really cover no her lines mouth about and it. have tears well up in her eyes, and it's very effective. I don't like seeing her cry. But still, like, okay, yes, there is some nefarious. Should we not hear more about that? Like, I mean, I, I made that like, connection, but you're right; it wasn't very, it wasn't obvious at all. And why was she kind of embarrassed? Uh, why was Ben digging into that? And uh, I almost felt like I missed something from season one. But they made it a plot point that she's never mentioned her brother until uh, this season, or maybe that's just for Matt. Maybe there is a conversation she had with her brother with Ben, uh, and I don't remember it. I, I don't. Well, know. Well, here's the thing: I didn't. So the brother thing, I didn't feel like was a setup for something. I felt like it was a payoff for Frank. Like, why is she so hellbent on helping Frank? Why is she so concerned about this guy? Well, she went to his house. She saw the pictures of his family. He doesn't have answers about that. She feels the same way about her brother. That's the connection between the two. Here's your flaw with that. That mm -hmm. seems like a pretty vital story arc. The only reason you know anything is because I told you. I freeze-framed that shit and found the clearest image and told you what it said because that thing lasted for a half second and it's out of focus no reasonable person right. watching that can draw that conclusion from that scene. Well, wasn't the the name on the file page? Wasn't it? It just said Karen Page, and it had his teenager mysteriously dies in right. a car accident. That's the only As thing the that's clear to read. Right. So, like, you didn't the, the fact that you knew it was her brother, you had to freeze frame. That's the only way you can find. That's the only way you could have made that connection. So that's what hmm. I'm saying. Like, if that's the first step of a Martin reveal, there wasn't reveal two and three. And if it, they're saving it for next season, what the fuck? Like, right. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Which that's why I feel like I missed something. So, something okay, something in that scene. Like maybe they needed his name up there. Maybe they needed like Ben Page or whatever his fucking name. Or is. she could have said, "How did you know about my? Or how did he know about my brother? Or something." Right. Right. Because there was no text. There It was all subtext. It was. Oh yeah. I mean, it was text, but yeah. it was so hidden that sure. it almost became subtext. Yeah, which is either they expect people to freeze frame. and That's what I'm wondering, yeah, and binge which, watching and And maybe that's something you can and, do in the age of the internet where it's like, well, if a person that really gives a shit is going to go to Reddit and, and find out, and a person that doesn't, well, it's not that big a deal anyway. Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I, Knowing that, that, that's what I got from it. Though, I just that. feel like in fan community, there's there's a whole lot of excuses of sloppy storytelling laid yeah. at the altar of, well, this is a new way to consume media. Right. Everyone, and, uh, I I don't I don't totally buy it. I think this season was a little sloppier. Yeah, yeah. But I I gotta say I do prefer the overstuffed, not everything maybe makes sense to mm-hmm. the understuffed, got to stretch things out and make everyone look stupid. Jessica Jones. Oh God. Style. I couldn't get through that. I, I couldn't get through the Jessica Jones stuff, so yeah. And I, you know, I wonder because it's not like I feel like you can you can make less episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to make more because that's going to cost money. So like, I kind of am sympathetic when you're blocking out and you're like, okay, this feels like we got Act One of the Punisher, Act Two with the with the Electra, and Act Three where everything comes together with the Kingpin and Electra, and then okay, let's let's do these n- number of episodes, and it just. You run out of time, and you run out of money, and you can't quite do everything. Whereas, yeah. you know, I just feel like the Jessica Jones people f- just fucked up in pacing their story all together. Right. And it, for less understandable reasons. Like, did you really think you had this much material? Yeah. And the other thing is, like, if the hand was trying to get the ultimate weapon on episode one, you automatically care a hell of a lot less about what the Punisher and the Kingpin are doing, right? Like they did, uh, yeah, I suppose what, so. The, the, like that's the thing. Like if if uh, Kilgrave came in at episode seven or eight of Jessica Jones, would have made sense to ditch everything and go after him. Yeah, and I feel like Jessica Jones had a little bit more plot that it didn't explore. Like, what's up yeah. with her best friend? Sure, I want to know more about that girl. Yep. Uh, it 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 felt like they left some stuff on the table that they didn't need to leave on the table in favor of doing more stuff with Kilgrave, yeah. which didn't warrant. Uh, the time. Yeah, they needed to. They needed to have another, like maybe a beefier Luke. No pun intended, or pun not intended. A beefier Luke Cage plot uh, for them to before you get to the Kilgrave, because then it's just like pedal to the metal. The way this yeah. one, I mean, once the hand, once Matt realized what he's up against, it's pretty much all hand all the time. Oh yeah, and uh, maybe a little too much. Yeah, uh, tried to trying to be packed into a, a short time frame. So. I feel like we're both in agreement. This is a slight step down from last season. Mm. Uh, and, and the steps down seems entirely from it's a little too rushed and a little more comic. No, I'm not saying comic booky is bad. I like comic booky. But they trained me to think that Daredevil was going to be a little bit more of a deconstruction of the comic book tropes. And I felt like they leaned into them too much this season. So next season, I don't know. Uh, what would you like to see? them go back to hard uh, more hard gritty realism for them to go ahead and go into the high fantasy black sky stuff no as someone who's not really into that type of shit fantasy and comic books and okay stuff like that i would definitely like to see them go more toward here's a superhero with a reality twist you know mm-hmm. uh, he's he's got real shit real world shit to deal with 
mm-hmm. like not being invulnerable, uh, having real relationships, like those kind of things. Before we move on, did you feel like you were cheated by not understanding the 40, 40 floor hole in New York? No. No, I felt like that was... That can't be just to act the, the way to get around the abandoned train tunnels, right? Like, and I, that's a big hole to get into a fucking train tunnel. I, yeah, like the, big Matt, Matt slid down an 18-foot manhole shaft. I know. They're like, There's nothing coming out of an abandoned tunnel that needs a hole that big to Sure, to I don't up. think they, they put the tr- abandoned train stations 40 floors down. I don't think. No. I don't think. Again, don't know New York, not a native, but it seems right. unreasonable. It does. Uh, I, I didn't feel cheated, though. Like, Do you feel I, like some of that's going to be left for next season? Yeah. But, but, I, I felt man. like there was more to it um, that they just didn't tell us yet, mm. and, and that Black Sky is not just this ultimate weapon thing. It's There's there's something else there. Well, I mean, that's... I, I So I guess I would be more sympathetic to the heroes just not knowing the full story if it didn't seem like the bad guys were going along with the explanation too, like it just seems like, yeah, she's black sky. We need her. She's our leader. She's the ultimate weapon. She's both, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But the ultimate weapon can't, like I said before, can't just be a person who kicks ass. That's not an ultimate weapon. You're right. Like if the ultimate weapon there, if your ultimate weapon can be taken out by a nuke, it's not a fucking ultimate weapon (laughs) by definition. Well, in fuel Japan, it was pretty fucking ultimate. No, but right, I, sure. So I, mythologically, I would buy ultimate. if she was an un, she was an unparalleled physical specimen, Fine. and she was like a a master tactician. Okay. Like you put her at the head, and she's like Michael Corleone and Vito Corleone wrapped up with Patton and Genghis Khan. Like okay, right. that like she's it's the leadership ability and her cunning and her intelligence and all like all that firing on itself. but i didn't get any of that from her no clearly that's not on display here uh nope. she gets her ass stuck in a hallway a stairwell uh where's your tactician shit there yeah right uh and and if you like, hey matt you got a you got a broomstick that has like uh infinite amount of steel cable in it well how about you just like uh have a swoop down from the corner like you did a couple of scenes ago right uh i, I don't know <laughs> if only i it's... had a holocaust cloak <laughs> so i yeah we'll see i think there's more to this ultimate weapon thing i i think that maybe she is like a fuel for an ultimate weapon yeah. or something like that she she herself cannot be the ultimate weapon yeah like it's if she the, the sacrificing her life brings the demon lord right right that's fine yeah like if you if you can make cthulhu rise from the seas sure uh, by sacrificing your life Maybe you could be considered an ultimate weapon. Yeah, but really, Cthulhu is the ultimate weapon. Yeah, you're like the you're like the ball of plutonium in a nuclear bomb. Right. Okay. That's that's fine. But again, I feel like there's a fine line between teasing the audience and just having them scratch their head and be like, because like you know, a year from now, are, is anyone going to remember all this shit? Uh, not all of it. Like uh, I know that there are those of you out here who will binge watch the whole fucking thing before next season. But that you're at the tippy top of the one percent that consumes the show this way. Yeah. So um, it can't all be podcasters and people listen to podcasts and people to binge in preparation for the new season. And I think a lot of um, the more casual fans uh, who were a buzz from last year uh, are going to be like kind of turned off and not remember the things that they should remember for next time. Yeah, and I, frankly, this ultimate weapon thing, 
as a non-comic book fan turns me off because that feels like the tropiest of tropes that it, yeah that sure. a single person like and they don't ever explain like why the ultimate weapon is the ultimate weapon mm-hmm. like it's just hand waved away with mysticism and badass karate like well and that's that's where marvel I, gets creaky when you've got uh the ultimate weapon, but like you have to adjust that for whose book you're in. Like the ultimate weapon in, in the Punisher could be like you know a, a powerful grenade. If it's if it's a Wolverine book, it could be a virus that takes away his yeah. mutininess. If it's the Almighty Thor, it's something that destroys the Rainbow Bridge through all the different you know realms. Like yeah, and if then, it's Galactus, what the fuck is the ultimate? And weapon? And when you have them on, that's the other thing. When you have them all on the same team. It's 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 hard to make all that stuff work too. Yeah, ultimate weapon. Whenever someone says that, that's an alarm bell for me. Sure. To go, whatever, dude. Well, also in the it's modern age, it's like you said. You, is it stronger than a nuke? Because if it's not, fuck you. Right. Like you got the last. Airbender, but like you said in kinda... the MCU, is it stronger than Galactus? Yeah, sure. Can it swallow up planets? Like yeah. like can, it's can breakfast you, cereal. Can you beat the Silver Surfer in an arm wrestling contest? No, <laughs> then you're probably not the ultimate weapon. Right. And he's just a good guy. Like there's a lot more powerful bad guys. There's a fucking devil. The devil himself yeah. exists in the Marvel universe. Death. Death exists as a personification. <laughs> like you're. Are you stronger than death? Yeah, maybe you think you are because you got these fucking pods, but yeah, maybe death would probably pro- death's probably pissed at you for cheating her for so long. It's true. Um, no, yeah. It's... Does Nobu come back? He's got his head chopped off. He's laying in an alley. Does Nobu come back? I feel like him coming back would be a shark jumping moment because the, everything they're telling us as an audience is, oh, you think he's coming back? Well, stick. Not only did he stab him through the heart, but he that kills a fucking vampire. Kills pretty much everything. That as would far kill as I Blade know. or any of the guys he plays. Anything with. but a zombie. Sure. So, and even then, it pretty much eliminates the threat of a zombie. I feel like that they can't bring him back. No, it would be pretty stupid. Okay. Because I'm with then you. anyone anyone can come back from yeah. anything. Right. Uh, and there's a couple other points that I'd like to make, but the, the there's there's feedback about it. So okay, let's uh, get to that. All right. Hey guys, once again, want to remind you of the uh, importance of supporting Bald Move and what Jim and I are doing here. I know that uh, maybe some people are bummed out that we weren't over the moon with the entire season, um, but I hope you appreciate uh, the honesty in our approach, and you always know that you come here and you're going to get our unvarnished opinion and hopefully backed up with some solid arguments, but we also give uh, try to give voice to the, all the sides as well. That's rare in the podcast where it seems like there's a lot of uh that's blatant fanboyism there's a yeah. lot of corporate uh, driven stuff where it's pay- bought and paid for um you know yeah. we try to be and that the MCU I think people tend to lean pretty hard into we love it yeah so if you appreciate the nuanced opinions um you know the only way you can keep them coming is by supporting us uh you can do that at the the the, the club club.ballmove.com you get a bunch of bonus features a bunch of bonus content Ad-free podcasts, etc. You can uh, again at Bald Move. Uh, sorry, club.baldmove.com. And you know, if you don't want to do that, and you are an online shopper of Amazon, you can go to amazon.baldmove.com, and everything you buy using that session, we get a teeny tiny cut of. It doesn't cost you anything. And if you're in a market other than America, you can go to support.baldmove.com, and there's a link that has all of our foreign. Amazon markets too. If you want to help us out that way, get get us a few Deutschmarks, a few pounds sterling, uh, yen, whatever francs. 
<laughs> there's various denominations that confuse our bank tellers when we get them, and yep. it's always entertaining. But thanks for your support, and uh, uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. First up, Michael McBee. Uh, another season has come, and i got to say I'm glad the series didn't linger on the idea of Matt lingering on being both a regular lawyer and daredevil. It showed how just about anyone who wants to live a double life, how hard it would be. Don't I know it? Saying you got to pick how you want to live, in Matt's case, be it a law-abiding lawyer who lets evil go or a vigilante who takes law into his own hands. Um, I guess my question to you, Jim, is do you think the show is resolved that Matt is no longer a lawyer? Uh, Long-term, no. Because that's such an integral part of the daredevil that I know. Hmm. That he yeah, has I, this duality. Right. I, I think he has made up his mind, like... If you were to ask Matt today, are you a lawyer or are you Daredevil? He would say, I'm Daredevil. Yeah. Um, but eventually someone will convince him. Something will convince him that he needs to be both again. Mm-hmm. And that he has to have people around him because, you know, this isn't his city. Claire isn't his. Karen isn't his. Foggy isn't his. Sure. They're people. The city is a city and it's a community. And this needs to be resolved by everyone. Yeah. And that's the thing, like... A lot of the superheroes' alternate identities don't matter. Like Batman, the fact that he's a millionaire, a billionaire playboy only is interesting when you see Bruce having a long, dark tea time with the soul and he's got some floozy in bed with him. Or he's, you know, it's like it's always like the trapping where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not the biggest Daredevil fan in the world, but it does feel like that Daredevil does a lot of lawyer stuff. So not so much you, this season, right? He didn't really do that's what much I'm saying. of anything. If, if you get like like you can get away, like Bruce Wayne can get away with not being a billionaire playboy indefinitely, yeah, for whatever reason. But if you take the lawyer out of Matt, then he's just really a low rent Batman. Yeah, he's a Batman without the and without that's the, the without the billions of gadgets, right? And that's the part that always gave Matt some heart to me. Sure, is him being a lawyer and caring about he these believes people. in the law. Like when he's out kicking ass as Daredevil, I don't feel that heart. Like, for some reason, I know he's doing it for the city, ostensibly, but mm. it it doesn't come across in the same way as him sitting down with someone sure. across the table, hearing their story, and, and feeling for them. And it's just not as personal with the city. And, you know, I feel like that he's his faith in the law is shaken, but it can't be broken, which means I feel like yeah. that he will... Matt Murdoch and, and Nelson will emerge from the ashes and go back yeah. to Josie's bar eventually. <laughs> Yeah, and this is the dark, the darker arc for Daredevil, right? I mean, he's leaning toward killing people. He's pushing everyone in his life away from him. I think he's got to come back around to the heart that makes Matt Murdock uh, who Matt Murdock is. Uh, Barry from the UK has a pretty balanced approach. It says, a very enjoyable season. Action so good in Daredevil that it always beats everything else that is on TV for fight scenes. <laughs> Banshee. However, <laughs> it could have been much better. Uh, by the way, I, I just mentioned this, that uh, we started doing a Banshee podcast, uh, me and Cecily, yeah, uh, yeah. that we release on Mondays on the Bald Move. It's, it doesn't have its own feed. It's the Bald Move TV. You find uh, it on the website or the Bald Move TV feed. Yep. Or if you search iTunes for Bald Move TV, I'm sure it comes right up. So if you are interested in uh, the final season of Band, if you want to be a hashtag forever fan, she, uh, What? Yeah. What? That's what they're doing, man. Hashtag forever fan, she? Yeah. That's what they're doing, man. Really ramming, <laughs> it down our, really ramming it down our throats and then ripping that throat out. Okay. Uh, yeah. If you want to check that out, check it out. Uh, we need to apply this to more things. We need to, we need to like, 
Fair Devil? Is that a thing we can do? Sure. Well, that's like me and Cecily are reviewing episodes on a scale of uh, Forever Fancy, uh, hashtag Forever Fancy to hashtag Fuck Fancy. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, but no, I, fa- I think that if you like Daredevil, you'll probably like Banshee on Cinemax because it's got like, again, it, it's, it's calling card much like Daredevil is the insane, realistic action. Right. Um, real, quote unquote, realistic. Yeah, so anyway. as much as ripping someone's throat out and sure. eating it on a plate in front of them. I don't know. That show is crazy, man. Yeah, you got to start. You, you, it's, it's crazy. You can't come into season three, <laughs> episode four, and watch for five minutes of a fight That's scene. on you, man. That's what you showed me. You I, tried, like, <laughs> I tried to do a Hail Mary because I really wanted you to get into the it's show. It's cool. No doubt. It's cool, but it is fucking crazy. Uh, the reason season one is awesome, Barry continues, and ditto for season one of Jessica Jones is because they did a really good job developing the lead villain, not just as a threat, but as an interesting, nuanced, and a sometimes sympathetic character. That was completely missing in season two. There was no clear villain, no clear threat, and there was way too many things happening at once to give any real character development. The whole Electra storyline felt huh. shoehorned in, and we didn't get enough Frank Castle. In my opinion, a shorter season with Frank Castle as the villain, but not really, would have been much more complex and interesting. So I, I agree. They did kind of like have the villain shrouded in mystery this season. I don't know that that didn't work for me, but uh, I think I got enough of Frank Castle. I, got, I don't no. know that I wanted any more of Frank Castle. I, I think I don't because I don't know what you would jettison because if you jettison any one of the three main arcs, it's a threadbare season. But you put them all in there and it's too chock a block full. Maybe I, you I feel eliminate- like the answer is better writing. Honestly, like I feel like with more time or more recess resources or better, I don't I don't know what about the turnaround didn't do it but they there the pieces were all there and they they just didn't execute i think maybe electra was a weak point too like if she had had more development if stick had had a little more development that's what i'm saying we had we had kind of pushed the hand stuff off Uh um, and made frank a little bit more of a villain i think maybe that works but i but yeah or make the the kingpin like doing more shit i so so you to take the hand right, out, then you'd, have the to, you'd have to beef up some other plot. You do, yeah. And I think I, you could beef up Elektra and Stick. Yeah. Give me more of their backstory, and I would understand more about but the hand. But you'd have to do like three or four episodes worth of beefing. And that's where that's I That's what I mean. But don't. there are three or four episodes if you take out the hand. Or 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 do a ten-episode season and do just what you're suggesting. And then, and then you can build up to the hand being the ultimate threat. And then, then you got something. Right, for next season. I. Yeah, I, but what's the hook? Like, is it? It would all be placed on the Punisher and Electra. Well, I think is that enough? I think that for, my answer absolutely for the Punisher, absolutely yes. I thought he was great. Right. Uh, Electra, I like. Uh, I don't have. I don't see any missing pieces to Frank's puzzle here. Sure, no, they were all. I see some up. teases for further information, sure. but I don't think they needed to go there. Uh-huh. The only, the only space for improvement, in my opinion, is Electra and Stick. So maybe you shorten the season to 10, you do a little bit more backstory with Electra and Stick and clear up their motivations a bit. Is that enough to drive a season? Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, again, There's no overarching villain, though, like like Barry's saying there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I guess. Because Punisher's not a villain. No. I mean, he's, no. he, he starts out as a scary guy and and an antithesis of to be Daredevil, a villain, but... he has to act 
he has to act in a uncontrolled, reckless manner. And they made it very clear that he was only killing people who we broadly agree could deserve to be killed. Yeah, I never, I never felt like Daredevil or Karen or was that was that Foggy at were at risk from sure. Punisher. So sure. he's not really a villain. Uh, Sean B said Clancy Brown, who was the colonel in this season, yep. uh, spoiled himself in his own role. The man's played the Kurgan, Lex Luthor, Captain Hadley of Shawshank Redemption, Savage Opress of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, General Elling on The Flash. Clancy Brown just isn't the good guy. I love the guy, but if he's in your show, he'll be the bad guy, and that automatically spoils your twist. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I never I never assume that someone is bad just because they show up to be bad. Unless they're, it made it very clear that that's what they are. Like, uh, right. You know, Dick Tracy man uh, being the minor kingpin. Like, okay, yeah, I see what he's trying to do. But mm-hmm. you, you, you put Clancy Brown in a role where he's playing a good guy, I'm going to roll with that until proven otherwise. Yeah. Might be the exception there because I know everybody was talking about that. It's like Sean Bean, right? Yeah, you, you assume him to he's going to die, but he is—he doesn't have to. No, in and lesser movies of... like uh, was that Jupiter Ascending, he, he survived. He makes that the other end. Totally fooled. That's me. why the movie sucked. <laughs> Sean C. Sorry to get this in so late. Uh, I listened to your episode on episode three or four and thought that as a geek I could shed some light. You agreed, this is going back a ways, but why not? You agreed that Frank talking about how killing his enemies and the deaths of his friends, neither bothering him, rang false for the military. Now, I can't speak to whether or not people in the military share that view, but I know the, I, well, I've talked to enough of them to know that they don't, but uh, I know for the idea, for the idea as far as it goes for the Punisher, according to Garth Innes, who I guess is the modern muse for the Punisher, um, is that the Punisher is a serial killer. In the truly excellent Punisher Born, the four-issue miniseries that establishes his origin in Vietnam, Ennis establishes that Castle is and always was going to be a serial killer in a very Dexter way. And parenthetically, he says, this always bothered me about Dexter, how much the concept was just like the Punisher. He channeled a serial killer nature into killing first Viet Cong and then criminals afterwards. Here's my take. Sherlock Holmes recently referred to himself in the series as a high-functioning sociopath. If you think of sociopathy, psychopathy, like you think of autism, then you must assume that there is a spectrum. I believe that Castle is a high-functioning sociopath, capable of some emotion, though emotion is difficult for him to conjure. I believe he dialed that side of himself up around his family and dialed it down when he was overseas. Then, through either his head injury or just losing his family, uh, who were his reason for not going full sociopath, he goes full-on Punisher. He does what he thinks is the most logical solution for the problem, sometimes coldly, sometimes angrily, since these are his only two settings now. Uh, So that's the modern Punisher comic book fan take on Frank Castle being, you know, villainous or whatnot. What did you think? Because I don't like Dexter because I don't like the idea of a serial killer who does serial killing for good. Okay. That's essentially what Frank is doing. Yeah, although, but that's the thing, like, a serial killer does it because he's got the impulse to kill. Right, Frank is doing it out of revenge. Out of revenge, and I feel like that's much more sympathetic than saying the guy's a serial killer, and he's like, uh... Right, like, he's gonna kill anyway, but he uses it for good, whereas Frank is not... I don't think Frank kills if he wasn't fucked over. Like, the brain injury, I think, is an interesting angle. And that that made him, that, like, you know, they could do Uh a good job explaining how that just severed his emotional connection. And now it allows him to do the things that, but, you know, I I guess as a soldier, I don't have a problem with the, like, 
One of my favorite Tom Clancy stories is about a Navy SEAL who decides to go take a war on drug dealers that killed his girlfriend, and it's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a problem other than the whole vigilante aspect with the guy going around murdering drug dealers and pimps and rapists and whatnot. It right. seems like a great idea. If there was any way to give it, like, absolute oversight and you don't worry about redeem- redeeming people or reforming right. it's them. It's a great idea for fiction. Yes. Sure. Yeah. It's a fun story to follow. <laughs> I don't need him to be, like, to me, like, I feel like a rational, sane, loving person can kill people for greater good. I mean, that's every soldier we've ever sent overseas. It's every, right. you know, sure. I mean, I don't need them, them to be a serial killer to make that understood. Yeah, and I guess I just never got the serial killer vibe from Frank because in my eyes it's maybe not justified completely, but mm-hmm. it's understandable, it's sympathetic. But this is what I mean by like if you're a comic book fan, a lot of these things you just not, you're not even you're not even realizing your hand waving. It's like, well, this is part of the character's fabric of being, so it doesn't bother me because a version of this character had this and I assume that they're, they're going for this whereas I come from the other perspective right. saying if that's what they're going for, they did not connect those dots sure i i don't feel as as just a show watcher i don't feel that frank is a serial killer sure and that, like he's I a man f- out for revenge sure like yeah. every fucking steven seagal movie you've ever seen <laughs> right uh sean from south korea uh he has a quote this is about our uh talking about catholic uh codeine uh okay. he's like a quote two catholics are sitting together watching a sunset one says it's so beautiful the second turns to the first and says yeah we're gonna pay for this tomorrow uh, this scene is all about Catholic guilt. Matt's tired and in pain on the roof, but since he's Catholic, he feels guilty about his actions and wants uh, to decline the drugs because he thinks he deserves the discomfort. I'm not a religious scholar. I just spent too many years of my childhood in the pews of St. Mary's. All right. There you go. It's not a more, It's not a prohibition on Yeah. Narcotics. I thought that was super insightful yeah. uh, just from, from that perspective. I, yes, I know that Catholic guilt is a thing, and it's, it's kind of all over that religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't. Grow but I'm up. not a. I'm not a Catholic. I didn't grow up with Catholics, sure. so it didn't immediately come to me. But now that he says it, yeah, makes perfect sense. Yep. Uh, I felt like that they lost a little bit of Matt's Catholicism this year too. Like that was real front and center. Talking, I bet man, it was. Yeah, maybe he could have had a talk with his father about this whole what do you do when you kill people and they're undead. You know. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so. Something, but he that guy just disappeared after the third episode. I don't think we saw him again. Yeah. And other than him declining narcotics, there was nothing really much about his Catholicism. Oh, I guess Sick had that one liner about you don't believe in people coming back from the dead. Isn't uh, the guy you follow kind of his whole <laughs> shtick based on that? Right. Brett from Brooklyn says, just wrapped up season two of Daredevil. For the most part, I was pleased. Yes, there were some holes, namely a 40-story deep one that was dug for no damn reason. But the action was tight, and just about everyone did a great job in their roles. All that said, I have one issue with the show that graded on me the whole season, though, and that's an issue I guess stems from me living in New York City. I hated the fact that the words Hell's Kitchen are seemingly mentioned every ten minutes. This version of Hell's Kitchen appears to exist in a bubble completely cut off from the rest of New York, where vast criminal empires, gangs, and ninja cults thrive without ever spilling into other areas of the city. I don't think another neighborhood is mentioned by name at all until Matt goes to Madame Gao in Chinatown. And in the final episode, I wasn't sure what was worse, Karen's bulletin voiceover editorial or the high-powered Jerry Hogarth wooing Foggy with Hell's Kitchen's top clients. What the fuck? 
New York's literally a city of dozens upon dozens of neighborhoods, most with loosely defined overlapping borders. People don't stay still in New York. Crime doesn't stay in one place. I hope that for season three, the writers put the big and big apple and go beyond yelling out random intersections and the 30s and 40s between 7th and the Hudson. I mean, I guess that bothers you if you're a New Yorker, which, to right. be fair, there's millions of you. Yep. But I... But there are less of you than the rest of the audience. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I felt like that was to give a sense of place to to the location. Isn't New York... Like, I feel like... I, I guess I felt like Matt Murdock being from Hell's Kitchen is like saying you're from the Bronx when that right. meant something, right? It's like talks yeah, yeah. about... Not, not that he feels special affection for Hell's Kitchen, but he's like a... He's a particular type of New Yorker. But they've made this origin story be like all he cares about is helping people in Hell's Kitchen. Right. Um, and I don't know if, if maybe it's because he's the anchor for all of this. Like, I, I don't know. Electra comes to Hell's Kitchen because Matt's in Hell's Kitchen and the hand comes to Hell's Kitchen because Electra is in Hell's Kitchen. Like, But they were digging that hole a long time before Electra got off the... The plane right. from Greece or whatever. To help right, that. that's true. So I, I don't know. I think it's to give us a sense of location for the show as as non New Yorkers. But I feel like as non New Yorkers, the location in New York is good, and you're just pissing off New Yorkers. You mean just saying like, "Hey, this is happening in New York City." Yeah, yeah. Like it, Hell's Kitchen feel. I'm. I, I guess what I'm saying is I agree with Sean, or I'm sorry, Brett. And that Hell's Kitchen, the neighborhood, feels entirely too small for all the shit that's going on in it. Oh, totally. That yeah. that having because Hell's Kitchen, I mean, it's a matter of blocks, right? Sure. It's not a matter of like a borough. And it's cool that he has his base operations there, and he came from there, and the Kingpin came from there, and it tells us what we need to know about these gentlemen. But right. having it all happen in, you know, like like I said, when she does say like, "Oh, Hell's Kitchen's uh, plum clients," I'm like, "What the fuck? Who?" Are you going to be representing a kingpin? And I don't know. I mean, you can say that about, like, Wall Street, right? What? Like, if you were a lawyer and you were getting Wall Street's plum clients. Well, that would like... mean something. Hell's Kitchen. So you've got uh, the very best in clients that pay in chickens and pies. Like, it's a <laughs> hell, it's an economically depressed hellhole that's only been partially rebuilt after it got destroyed by otherworldly aliens. Right, but that's not the reality of Hell's Kitchen, as I understand it. Like we there had someone some else write in. And... Well, we had someone else write in that's to say the Hell's Kitchen is part of Manhattan, oh, yeah. and that oh yeah, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say right. Hell's Kitchen is right. the modern, gleaming, gentrified Hell's Kitchen, and it's also this crime-ridden slumlord. Place. Right. So I, I don't know. It all feels weird and like strangely anachronistic in a way. Yeah. Like I don't know when this show is supposed to happen. I don't. I I know where only because they've told me, but sure. not because like I feel it. Right. It's very strange. Yeah, yeah, and you're talking to two Midwesterners, you know, like there's the stereotype of we live in flyover country and that people from LA sure. and New York just don't give a shit. Why I kind of feel like that way about New York. It's a big fucking city. I know it's like really important to everyone what borough and neighborhood sure, I don't yeah. give a shit. Outside I really of New don't. York, yeah. You, you, tell you, me, you tell me you're from. You tell me this hundred blocks or, is Hell's Half Acre. I'll I'll buy it. You tell me this the is the West Packing Village, District. Who, you, yeah, right. Yeah, it's just it's just color. Like I feel like this is a New York thing. You guys need to you guys need to find the showrunners in a dark alley, 
and dispense some street justice and, and leave us leave us nice, decent Midwestern folks out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair. It goes both ways. Okay. Yeah. And that's I'm fine with that. Let's just be honest with each other. Yeah. You know? Uh, uh, Nathan, what a great season. It's probably a slightly stronger ending than the last, and I had a blast watching it. The only criticism oh, I disagree. I- well, I'm just trying to give a right. broad broad spectrum of opinions. The only criticism I have for the season is the Punisher just stole the show. It's not that the Electra stuff is boring per se. It's just that it never got super invested, or I got super invested in Frank, and I can't wait to see the potential Punisher show. That I agree with. Yeah. I did enjoy Frank's stuff much more than Electra's. Indeed. And I am really excited about the idea of a spinoff. Uh, although, I, man, I, don't, I really still don't want to see him in a series. Miniseries, movie, collaboration, fine, but whatever. Too bad. JHM says Daredevil is the goddamn Morgan of superheroes. This is a this is a dank, dank Walking Dead meme. Wait, why does he say that? Well, he'll he'll continue, and it's irritating as shit sometimes. This is why I think uh, myself and many others love the Punisher's entrance into the scene. Granted, I've always seen things more his way than Daredevil's, but the unwavering refusal to see the necessity of killing sometimes is just maddening. Even out number 20 to 1, this idiot wouldn't kill to save himself, which is ironic since it's counterintuitive to his supposed ethos. You can't help Hell's Kitchen when you're dead. And being dead just because you wouldn't kill any of the group of 20 assholes trying to murder you is intensely stupid. Um, do you want to comment before I go on? Eh, no, okay, that, that comparison is fair, I think. That's where he's getting the morgo, the, the rant yeah, of moralizing. Yeah. And and I liked it in the initial going, but it seemed to get muddled towards the end. He continues, the difference between the Daredevil and the Punisher shouldn't be the willingness to kill at all, but the circumstances. Daredevil should absolutely kill, but only in self-defense or the defense of others. He should give the chance to surrender or flee, whereas the Punisher's opening salvo just might be a bullet to the forehead and will kill the injured person on the ground begging for mercy without hesitation. That's still a very significant difference worthy of rooftop philosophical debate and wouldn't make Daredevil look like an imbecile. Well, it's a comic book, and comic books are typically black and white. And we're still hip deep in the Daredevil's origin story. So, like, okay. I think it's un- I If I want to play the devil's advocate, because I broadly agree, but I also think it's unrealistic for an idealistic, highly trained Catholic schoolboy cum law lawyer to just shove all of his background and all of his ethos, the stuff that got him to the point he is now, and just be like, yep, gotta do necessary killing all the time. Like, that's not what... That's not the type of superhero he signed up to be. Yeah. So it should feel like a journey to get him to where he's willing to get a little bit gray. Yeah, and I feel like this season has been that, and it's done it fairly effectively. Yep. Um, That is not what I had a problem with this season. Here's a great point. Lastly, the deal with the black sky... Let me get this straight. Daredevil and Stick know that the Hand has some crazy ninja cult magic to resurrect the dead. They also know the extreme links they went to get Elektra, the most powerful weapon ever or whatever. So after she's dead, these mental giants don't think to, I don't know, hide the fucking body, cremate her, anything but what they did. Even if they don't believe the Black Sky lore, they know this crazy super powerful ninja cult does, and they know they can resurrect the fucking dead. So what's the the shit? <laughs> I hate when characters do really stupid things for lazy plot development reasons. I want, That's the thing I was wondering. You're yeah. seriously burying her. Yeah, it's silly. What did, what did the grave. tombstone say? Yeah, was it? I don't know. Electra, Nachios, or whatever. Dear the hand, is. come and get it. Yeah, and it had a did it had a bell that that stick would pay for people to ring every five minutes. A dinner bell. I yeah. I that 
Yeah. That seemed pretty dumb. There's a lot. I mean, could you at least have a conversation with Matt and Stick where they give a good reason why they don't do that? He hid her in life. Why not hide her in death? Sure. Like, and she's a fucking orphan. Her parents, her diplomat parents are dead. Who the hell's going to visit this grave? (laughs) They will. (laughs) From time to time. Not anymore, you won't. Not anymore. And by the way, you also got some poor innocent grave digger killed, you jackasses. Yep. Tim K said, seemed like Daredevil intended to kill Shredder when he threw him off the building, but revived, uh, but retrieved his baton, allowing him to fall all the way through the street. If this is supposed to be a turning point for him, I think the impact was greatly diminished by the fact that he didn't actually kill him, or at least not permanently. Though I guess Stick did? Is this a Highlander scenario where you need to chop off the head? We kind of talked about this at length. Right. Yes, it was a big moment that didn't feel like one, because Daredevil did in no way acknowledge it. Yeah. Now, maybe he can have a bunch of scenes where he wakes up from a dead sweat with no booze eyes looking at him, and he's screaming, and he's like, I killed someone. I don't know. But they sure didn't didn't take time to do that in the moment. Nope. Moving on, Joe Pine said, my main issue is they tried to cram way too many things into one season, which is funny. Since the first two podcasts of the season, Jim and Aaron mentioned Netflix trying to have too much filler. Between the Punisher origin story, Elektra, and the multiple villains, it was just too much. Especially since there's a clear difference in terms of how dangerous each antagonist was. You had, one, Rhea's trying to cover up a bad sting. Two, the blacksmith killing Punisher's family. Three, Fisk running the entire jail. And four, a death cult of immortal ninjas about to grab the being that would allow them to become super powerful. When that last one enters the fray, pretty much all the other characters seem ridiculous by comparison. And even though Matt doesn't find out about Black Sky until much later, you'd think he'd realize that there was something supremely fucked up about... Uh, about when Nobu was back from the dead. Uh, This became obvious given how some of the major plots either only glanced over or resolved awkwardly. Granted, a lot of them are easy to forgive because the pace is fast enough that it never feels dumb, but I felt it would have been more satisfying if they'd slowed down and explored certain of these plots better. Finally, in a season that spent so much time discussing whether it's okay to kill bad guys, at no point does anyone point out that the whole argument is moot if the bad guys can come back from the dead. I agree with all that, too. Yeah, I agree with all of it. I think it's a mistake to say Netflix has a problem with anything. I mean, Netflix... Television. That's their... I mean, pacing is the... No, I I mean, I, I don't... You got to get more granular, right? Like, who are the writers? Yes. Who, who's doing the show? Like, they might have a problem with pacing. They might have gone too far in one direction or too far in the other. But Netflix is just That's paying, my point. paying people to make this content. Yeah. There's no umbrella... For creative storytelling that is Netflix. Sure. It's just... No. They're the money man. That's why I was saying, like, it's... Pacing is a problem for all television shows, and it separates the men right. from the boys and the w- women from the girls, is to be able to have a intricate plot that resolves at the audience's speed, you know? Like, that's really hard to do. Right. You and have to constantly ask yourself, are we telling the story? Are we telling the story we want? Is people going to get it? Right, I I just don't want it to feel like when we compare Jessica Jones and Daredevil that we're leveling some ah. criticism at Netflix as an entity or or at Marvel as an entity. Like those, that's not true. It's we're leveling the criticism at the writers. The only little criticism we level at Netflix is their insistence on starting the fucking thing oh when you God. first browse it from the menu. I don't know how many times I've complained about this, but it's never enough. 
fuck that feature, take it out. Well, it's, it's a terrible. real problem for me, and I know this is a singular case as a podcaster going back and watch a re multiple. It's like mo- many times I wanted to start the episode I wasn't ready for, uh-huh. or it like erased the progress I had on a previous episode and played one that's like three episodes. It's just like you're always making the wrong decision. What the fuck? Yeah. There, the choice, the times at which it makes the right decision to just autoplay are so is, few and far between that. Is there a drooling idiot no out there that like navigated to a show but then would be completely flummoxed about hitting the play button and is and going to be swayed to... by the Netflix logo coming yes, up? Like, yeah. I'm the the ten seconds that you're going to show me before I can get to the oh my god why is this happening stop this shit yeah is not worth it. Yeah, because the primary, what I use to decide whether I'm going to watch something or not is the fucking shit that they're trying to hide from me in favor of showing the production credits and... Which is the descriptions, right? Yes. Like, I want to read what the thing is about, but you're not giving me the opportunity because you're distracting me with the episode play. No, I'm in the middle of a binge. I appreciate the yes. next episode. Absolutely. But this preemptive stuff, I don't get it. I'm finally. I've. I've. You're not convincing me to watch more stuff. You're keeping me from watching things. Yeah, it's. A, it's. Yeah. I'm. I, because, like you said, I want to read the description, and when this happens, I immediately back out and say, you, "No thanks." Do you think it's one of those things like you walk into a convenience store, and almost every, every almost every place that I'm aware of, even your beloved Qdoba. No, sorry. Fuck you, Whoa, whoa. That cardboard sorry, I, bullshit. I, I, I can... offer sincere apologies. <laughs> Chipotle. Right. They all say, welcome to Chipotle, or how can I help you, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As an introvert, I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. Like, I would much rather just come in with my hoodie drawn over my face, have minimal contact <laughs> with people, and get out. Uh, right. But there is a ter- type of person that's turned, like, you got to pick who you're turning off. And I wonder if there's a person that enjoys the fact that, like, I'm indecisive, and I don't know what the... Oh, fuck, it's playing for me. I guess I'll watch this. Like, there's got to be a but use it, case where it's not it, right? But I don't I don't see how that person ever gets to that screen okay. without already have real, having realized that they want to watch it. Here's right? what we're like, going to do. Okay. We have several thousand people that are Netflix fans that uh-huh. are listening to this podcast. If you like this feature... Please tell, send in to daredevil at baldmove.com about why... The change.org petition is what we need. <laughs> what, to send it in and say why you appreciate the feature and how it actually helps you and makes you a better, happier Netflix customer. Because I, I think there's got to be what use are the case. justifications? We're for, just yeah. not seeing it. Like right. you're drunk. You can barely navigate the search feature. You're, you're in some category and you browse it and you're about to pass out on the couch and just plays you into oblivion, I guess. But even then, the use case is so rare. I know. the vast You're pissing off the majority of the people. Right. All right. Let's move on. Trippy in St. Louis. I thought this season was a fairly big step down from last. There were some good moments, sure, but I think the standout was definitely Frank and Slash the Punisher. Old Shane was easily the best version of Punisher I'd ever seen in screen. Granted, that includes a Dolph Lundgren version, so it's a low bar. My point exactly. Like, this is the definitive Punisher. Yeah. And he didn't even need to... He didn't even need to be this good. Sure. The fact that he was is kind of awesome. Like, I don't need anybody else. It's like, Hugh Jackman's got Wolverine until he breaks his hip. Yeah. Sean Barenthal... Sean? Shane, Shane, no. Shane Bernthal, John Bernthal. John, yeah. John Bernthal's got the Punisher until his lobes sag <laughs> off and detach from his body. Until he becomes uh what's what's the the Yoda character from Spaceballs? <laughs> Yogurt? Yogurt? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. 
the weakest link was Karen, who I think is mostly due to writing. Her career trajectory was, well, comic booky. That final monologue article about heroes was eye-roll-inducing. I think a normal newspaper editor would read that dreck and say, uh, could you go and give me 500 words on nursing home selection for some thir- Thursday filler? I'll give next season a try, but if they don't step it up, I'll give it the rest of it a miss. I realize this is likely one of their biggest draws, but I wish Netflix would devote resources to another season of Bloodline more than I would another season of Daredevil. They've got it! Bloodline just came out with the trailer, May, they can do May 27th. They can do both, yo! Right. Uh, I think if Karen had found that on her own... Oh, this is the devil's advocate case for Karen... Matt telling Karen that he's Daredevil rather than her figuring out organically. Mm-hmm. I think if Karen had found that about him being Daredevil on her own, it would have ended with a rather tiresome argument wherein Karen would be, why didn't you trust me? And then there'd be another argument with Foggy knows, and now she hates Foggy for not telling her and lying to her about the alcoholism and such. So then Karen hates both of them, and then we have to deal with that drama clogging up the show... We also know it will get resolved and they will be friends again, but we'd have to deal with the four episodes devolve, devoting 30 to 40% of its content dealing with a plot point that isn't interesting in the slightest. It's a pretty tired superhero trope of who knows secret identities, people getting butt hurt when they find out and they weren't told sooner, yada yada. <laughs> Matt telling her avoids all of that and her trust in, uh, and shows his trust in her character, etc. I don't know. I feel like you only come to that opinion if you have a fairly low opinion on... Karen and I found that she rolled the pinch punches pretty good right I I think that while it might have bolstered Matt's character a bit it would undermine Karen and they uh, could have the best of both words where he's is about the level with her and she says Matt I figure I I I I know and then they can have the how long have you done right right yeah. I, I think that that would be good but. so I feel like there there was a middle path here that they decided not to go with just for expediency sake I guess yeah. Uh, Unread from Australia says, another uh, another podcast I listened to, yes, I'm cheating on you guys, pointed out that the minigun the Punisher wielded in the promo photos never got used, even though there seemed to be a prime opportunity to do so with a herd of ninjas in the finale. Is this Chekhov's minigun? I found it disappointing. No, it, it would be the opposite, right? Like, Well, it's even right there in the weapons cache Frank finds. Yeah. I, yeah, when he lovingly looked over the minigun, I'm And thinking, they had the perfect opportunity on the rooftop. I know, dude. Perfect. I know. I know. Like save them from a hopeless situation. Frank's not such a bad guy. Like I, I feel like this show lacks the courage of its convictions. Like they they are setting up something awesome, and they they instead of going for the grand slam, they do a pinch hit, and that becomes not just another ninja fight like you had a problem with, right? Yeah, like, a ninja overload. Like you by get the some end. Punisher War Journal shit, which yeah, I really like. That's some of the grittier shit where he's throwing coffee in people's faces. And would it be too much too early for death? the Punisher? You think? Are they saving that for his own series? See, I don't, is this teaser for It's that's the thing about the Punisher. It's not like that's I think the great thing is that he doesn't really have an origin story per se. He was a soldier that got fucked over and then he used the skills he already had in abundance to to hurt people that need to be hurt. Like it's not like the Punisher gets better at his job as he goes along. No, when I say too much too early, I mean too much killing. Oh. Too early. Like where how do they top Punisher going full minigun. Well, you know, you know, there's something to be said in painting yourself into a corner and, and right. having to outdo yourself. And, and, you know, I know that leads to eventually the, the the shark jumping and all that, but that also means that you just didn't end the series when it was appropriate to do so. Yeah, and I, I do feel like maybe the the season suffered a little bit from knowing that Frank's going to get some kind of spin off here. Yeah. And, you know, it's like there's people saying that, like, they're really sad that, like, 
Banshee's only getting four seasons, but I'd be like, I've seen Banshee at seven seasons. It's called True Blood, and nobody wants that. <laughs> like, some of these gonzo yeah. ideas, they have, they're cool and they're awesome, but that's the reason they are cool and awesome is because they are these shocking big things, and you can't keep doing that. Right. You can't. Uh, Garth Gow has some season thoughts. Um, I actually think that we needed more stuff like Matt's walk home at the end of the finale. Moments that reminded the viewer of why Matt loves Hell's Kitchen. They go on and on and on about the fight for Hell's Kitchen, but we never see why. Having simple scenes of Matt seeing kids playing or moments at the grocery would have helped with that. I agree. Yeah, I I think I've said it before. I never felt like the that Hell's Kitchen was a character in the way that it should have been. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate given the the thesis of this season yeah like nights where he had with karen and things like they needed more of those and more evenly spaced out to just remind matt what the hell he's doing this for uh those middle electra episodes were hard to get through there had to be some other way to structure them i always found the use of flashbacks in series very effective i think they could have interspersed her training in like another poster mentioned uh instead of having it all in one episode like have that as a chronologically forward moving story throughout the whole season is what he's saying Mm -hmm. Um, we learn pretty quickly how off the rails she is about murder. So what's the harm in showing her training? Just hold back on Scott Glenn for reveal that she, he was her instructor until they needed that. I don't know. I mean, that's, you gotta be careful when you're making suggestions. Like, and I, this is stuff I need to think about too, but like, it's, it's easy to say something like that, but how do you hold Scott Glenn as her mentor back? You're seeing this 12 year old learning to be, to train, to be killed, to be a killer. Like, how do you do that yeah. without seeing her mentor or why she's there and all that stuff? I don't know. Not that they did a great job, but I don't know. Uh, I don't foresee this changing, but the structure of each episode ending on a binge drawing cliffhanger got very tiresome. I wish some episodes just functioned as their own thing. Or they were really wanting the season to be viewed as a, in a binge fashion, which they clearly were. The episodes need to be much more finely plotted. Nix the unnecessary exposition, show flashbacks, and keep the episode popping. I agree. Uh, Punisher's plot fizzled as well towards the end. Clancy Brown is an absolute amazing actor, and I knew there was something more planned for him, but they didn't give him any time to shine, and instead he was used as a twist that no one seemed to really care about. It had been a bit better if Frank had visited him after escaping prison and they had a character moment to talk. It would have added weight to the whole thing. Instead, the finale to Frank's story just landed awkwardly. Hmm. For all the talk about killing, not killing animals, or... (laughs) criminals it was like the writers just shrugged their shoulders when they realized that part of the season would deal with people being resurrected i don't recall them doing this but at least a few lines about does it even count as killing if they get up and kill hurt or rape innocents again would have been a perfect mission statements for matt's never-ending fight against crime but it's not even touched upon we talked about that and we agree with it mm-hmm. uh so glad to see the return of fisk this is how to perfectly utilize him as a character hiding in the shadows but still pulling strings uh i agree with that um he says, if I never see another ninja, it will be too soon. The show shines when it tackles gritty, ground-level heroics. As soon as you bring ninjas into New York, rejuvenating coffins and mysticism, I completely lose interest. I figure Electra will return, but hopefully we can stick to the street-level stuff going forward. Finally, question. If Frank didn't kill Reyes in her office, who did? I thought it was... Uh, I, Fisk? No, Fisk, maybe? the blacksmith. blacksmith. He's trying to cover oh, up his yeah, own yeah, shit. Yeah. See, I thought that's that right. was obvious, but that's two people's no, whiff right. on it. it. It was obvious. And he's got it. all the mercenaries and all the military hardware and yeah. all that stuff to get it done. So That's true. Uh, that's it. That yeah. is the, the supersized podcast we promised. Okay. 
Uh, well, I don't think we're going to have a season wrap up. I think we pretty much talked about all of agreed the our feelings about the season as a whole. Uh, so we'll be back next year, I think, with another one of these. Right? Yeah, we're going to do it in the format that we did this final episode in. It's going to be three episode chunks. Yep. And with then, a single podcast. And as for... long as there are 13 episodes, that leaves us with the finale and right. space to actually do a, a supersized season recap. I, I, I think that's just the way to do Netflix from here on out. Feels like it. Yeah, we're going to do some looking at, at the way that people are consuming our podcast and see if that's it. But that, That's our gut So far, feeling. yeah, that's, that's the gut feeling uh, that we're operating under, so... You know, uh, if you want to check out any of our other shows right now, we're we're wrapping up uh, Walking Dead here tomorrow. We're we've got uh, Better Call Saul that's still on the air Two more um, episodes. for a couple more episodes, and then we're starting in on Game of Thrones next e- next week. So this week we got the preview cast. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be coming out sometime very soon, potentially tomorrow as well. Uh, we also have uh, Banshee that Cecily and I are doing in the TV podcast thread, but we're also starting Penny Dreadful, which is another fan favorite. Me and Cecily. Uh, starting up, and it'll have its own feed and all that stuff because it's since it's an ongoing concern. Uh, I think we're going to call it Penny Earful. Pen, mm, okay, you don't like that? Ooh, I, oh. I, I haven't seen Penny Dreadful. Uh-huh. Uh, is there any tie into ears, or is it just the the podcast? Penny, it's the, penny yeah, it's earful. earful. You're getting a Penny Dreadful, Penny right. Earful. Penny, Fuck penny you, man. Earful, penny. That's brilliant. <laughs> a, a Penny Dreadful podcast, yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. So people can actually search for it. Sure. Uh, Cool. Well, I guess uh, we'll see everybody next year. Hope you enjoy all the spinoffs and whatnot that I'm sure will come next season of Jessica Jones, probably before this. Yeah. Uh, Luke Cage coming I don't think we're going to be covering Jessica Jones. I don't feel like I want to. I noped out of season one before it ended, and I just don't think it's good enough to... And to worry I, about I'm yet. not gonna. The, I would. I'd be interested in maybe. Well, I don't know because I like Jessica Jones even despite its problems. Luke Cage, I'm interested in, but not enough to just jump in on the first season. Okay. Uh, be on the lookout though on our Bald Move TV thread that like if if Luke Cage is awesome, I imagine you and I will watch it and talk about it like we yeah. did Daredevil in season one. We talked about Daredevil. Maybe there will be some coverage on the site in some form. I we don't have any plans to do a season two Jessica Jones podcast or. I mean, season one, Luke Cage. There'll right? always be fans to talk about on the forums, right? So there's also that's another vest. You know, we can throw it up into the Daredevil. Maybe I rename the Daredevil to the MCU section so we can keep yeah. track. Because I'm I'm Maybe. honestly in on all of this stuff until they really let me down. Like I can't wait for Iron Fist. Can't wait for Luke Cage. Can't wait for the Defenders. Can't wait for more Punisher. And I'm always willing to talk about that shit. All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah. If we don't do any of that, then we'll see you guys next year. Yeah. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye.